Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. This is Dan Avone coming to you from San Francisco, holding down the left coast, if you will, and joined, like always, with the NFL agent, Mr. Matt Marino, who, of course, is representing New York City. Matt, how are you today? I'm good, Dan. Back east, nice weather, a lot of sports going on, so uh, all good over here, man. A lot of sports indeed. We want to start with what is topical, and this just coming down as we go to air, as we take today. This just happened moments ago, and that is another blockbuster trade involving another NFL quarterback. This time, it is Sam Darnold, the New York Jet, former New York Jet quarterback. He was drafted number three overall, a guy who has been underwhelming, has not lived up to expectations, but you being a New Yorker, I don't need to get into this. We could do sports talk radio on Sam Darnold and what's wrong with the Jets and we'll be here for the next three months. But there are those that feel as though he was in a, in a lose-lose situation. And then there are others that just don't have any confidence in Sam Darnold. Whatever the case, he has been traded to the Carolina Panthers. And the Panthers, have, the Panthers who, by the way, this offseason were very much, and it was very evident, that they were in the market for a new starting quarterback wanting to move off and move on from one Teddy Bridgewater. It was a Teddy Bridgewater experiment. Project did not work despite being reunited with his man, Mr. Joe Brady, out there in Carolina. So is that right? Joe Brady is in Carolina. Yep, no. Yep. Yeah, Joe Brady is in Carolina. My apologies. Okay, so as we take a look at Sam Darnold and that deal, like we always do here on Give Him the Sports Biz, we take a look at it from the financial perspective. So the Carolina Panthers are going to give up a six this year, and then a two and a four next year. The numbers involved here with Sam Darnold as he goes to Carolina are something that certainly have to be taken into account, as is the case with Jimmy Garoppolo, as is the case with any quarterback that gets traded. We as fans oftentimes just pay attention to the fact that it's Sam Darnold, that it's Jimmy Garoppolo, that it's you know potentially any of these quarterbacks that get moved, whether it's Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, but the underlying factors in all of this are the finances. And as a team, you have to make sure that it, it makes sense financially and whether you're going to take a salary cap hit and or you can afford the player. So let's start things from the Carolina Panthers side of things. The Panthers give up, as I mentioned, the sixth and a two and a four next year. But they're going to have Teddy Bridgewater on the books next year and obviously Sam Darnold. How is that going to work out and how is that going to look financially for Carolina going forward? Well, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a tight squeeze in 2021 because, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is is still basically a, a cap a cap hit of about 22 million. Um, so, you know, I, I don't anticipate the Panthers um, releasing him because uh, they have to eat about 20 million in dead cap space. And, you know, he obviously knows the system. You know, he spent a year there. Usually, quarterbacks, you know, in year two. Once they've had a year, and remember, there was no offseason last year, so that always affected, uh, you know, quarterbacks in new situations or players in general in new situations. Um, but the way I kind of see this going, you know, Sam Darnold's on the lat or definitely on his fourth year, not quite his last year, fourth year before his option of his rookie deal. So he's a cheap, he's a cheap fine right now for the Panthers. Um, you know, he's he's a five million dollar quarterback right now, and in twenty twenty two, you know, his option is is going to be eighteen million dollars little north of $18 million. Um, so at that time, the Panthers have an out on Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they have a potential out on Teddy Bridgewater. They can get out of that one um, for only $5 million of dead cap space. So what I anticipate is, 
you know, I think there was some talk about the Panthers, you know, trading for a franchise guy. And I probably, you know, what happened here is that, you know, one Darnold's trade value got a little, you know, devalued, um, you know, only getting, you know, a six, a two and a four, uh, the two probably ends up being the most valuable pick of the bunch, um, you know, for, for New York, um, you know, but, uh, but what I think is that, you know, you could have a situation where Bridgewater and Darnold are essentially competing or kind of having a, a somewhat of a competition in 2021 to be the Panthers starting quarterback. Now, you know, you're paying Sam, Dar- you're paying, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, essentially $20 million. Uh, usually, you know, that's the guy that's going to be starting now, now on the, on the flip side, you just traded for Sam Darnold and, you know, it could be a situation where, you know, you have a very expensive backup uh, for a year, um, you know, prior to releasing Teddy Bridgewater. So, you know, it's an interesting little spot the Panthers are in now. Um, They obviously have a quarterback room that they really like, you know, two guys that they feel are, you know, uh, intelligent quarterbacks. They can push each other. Um, You know, both have very live arms, Darnold especially. And I think a lot of the times when, you know, people and especially quarterbacks start getting labeled draft bus. You know, it's not always on the quarterback. It's, it's where they go, who's developing them, the type of situation that they end up in with team. And there's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of situations, you know, the, I guess the most recent one, you know, Ryan Tannehill, you know, being drafted by the dolphins and, and really having a tough time there um, and going to, you know, Tennessee and really turning it around. Um, so I think that's what Carolina is really shooting for with Teddy Bridgewater. They feel like, look, we had the coaches, the staff that can put him, you know, put him in a good place. And, um, you know, he, if he starts this year, it'll, he'll, he'll be a cheap starter. Um, and if he's, you know, uh, a good player, you know, we, we feel comfortable releasing Teddy Bridgewater next year um, and, and going with, you know, Sam Darnold, you know, kind of full throttle. Yeah. And I think going to Carolina, there's a few things that jump out. First of all, you got a, a good, a better than average offensive line. You're throwing good wide receivers, DJ Moore being one of which. And also a couple of things also that, that come to light when we talk about this deal is that it appears as though, first of all, Carolina wants to move off of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And secondly, they have identified Sam Darnold as their guy. And it appears as though, Matt, they're very comfortable picking up that 18 and a half, 18.9 option on his fifth year next year and it looks as though they are going to whether he starts or not it looks as though they've identified him as the Carolina Panther quarterback of the future yeah that's you know it's you know the reports are they're they're already exercising the the fifth year option right so you know that that puts him you know right there that's that's saying hey look he's our quarterback of the future you know I guess time will tell if he's the quarterback of 2021 but certainly uh, 2022 he is. Um, and I got to imagine if you're giving up three picks, you know, a six this year, you know, which you know, might not hold a high value, but a second and a fourth in 2022. Um, yeah. You know, and you're going to commit 18.9 you know, million dollars of salary to him. You know, that that's a, that's a big number. Sure. Absolutely. That's your quarterback of the future then. And for the New York Jets, as you just step back away from this deal and you sort of surmise what's happened over the last couple of years since you drafted Sam Darnold, it's a loss. You guys, again, did a poor job of evaluating talent and you went with the number three pick and in turn, essentially what this, what this breaks down to, the number three player chosen in the NFL draft a few years ago 
you in return now get a six, a two, and a four, which means that you, you basically missed out on talent once again, which has really been sort of the story with the New York Jets. Let's move on on that theme and talk more about quarterbacks that are switching teams or quarterback trades and how that affects the team or influences the team financially. A lot of talk, obviously, with the San Francisco 49ers moving up from 12 to number three in that deal with the Miami Dolphins. And it appears as though that they're going to go for a quarterback. Not appears, they'll definitely go for a quarterback. The big question now is, who's that quarterback going to be? Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and or Justin Fields. But financially, do you think that it made sense for San Francisco? Because they've said all along they're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo will be their starting quarterback, will be part of the mix in 2021. Now, are they blowing smoke? We've seen this before in the NFL. Percy Harvard a couple of years ago. Percy Harvin's not going anywhere and then he gets dealt. So, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, we don't necessarily hold them to, the, to that, to their word, but it would make financial sense despite the fact that he's making 25 million this year. But when you take into account that, whether it's Mac Jones or whoever the rookie is, will be in that rookie deal. You can keep both of them on the book. So it is in terms of financial uh, as, from a financial perspective, it does make sense that you can hang on to both quarterbacks going into this upcoming campaign. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, look, if you're trading up that high, you know, got to think that's going to be a quarterback. Um, yeah. Whether it's Justin Fields or, or Zach Wilson, and that's probably, you know, vice versa for the jets. Um, you know, whoever the jets take it to, um, you know, the other will go at three, you know, I think one unique thing with, with Garoppolo, you know, look, he's got a no trade clause. He can obviously waive that. Right. So that's, there's, there's one issue there um, of where he's going. You know, I think if it's a new England, he's probably going to waive it. Um, you know, certainly. And, and for him, I think what the 49ers are saying here is look, you know, we're only a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl. We have a very good roster, very talented roster that we feel are, you know, is, is a good roster that we've composed um, good skill guys, very good skill guys, a nice defensive pieces. And obviously one of the big factors has been that Garoppolo has been injured the past couple of years. And that's led to some, some problems for 49ers, um, his availability. And if they feel like, Hey, look, we can go out and get a young quarterback who is cheap. And if Garoppolo is, is going to have these injuries where he's missing three to four games and we can get a guy that we can plug in and play, um, you know, rather than an expensive veteran, it gives us some more, you know, roster flexibility um, at the other pieces of our roster. And, then it also, what it does is it lets that guy, you know, let's call it Justin Fields. It lets Justin Fields get snaps under his belt and get familiar with the offense. Um, you know, or if it's um, Zach Wilson in, in the same capacity, right? So I think that's what the 49ers are planning for. Um, I think they see, you know, that that's what's happened the past couple of years. Um, you know, they went from 12 to three. So, you know, just on that alone, you're talking about a difference of about $16 million, $16, $17 million in the slot, right? Um, of where they were picking versus where they are picking. Um, and I got to, you know, got to imagine, you know, you're spending $33 million, $34 million is going to be on a quarterback. Absolutely. You mentioned Zach Wilson. I think that with what we saw today, and that's, of course, the deal as we talked about, that sends Sam Darnold finally leaving the New York Jets and going to Carolina, that it's pretty clear that Zach Wilson is going to the New York Jets. I think the only way that 49er fans were holding out hope was that potentially the Jets would trade down and decide that they're going to build around Sam Darnold, that Coach Sala says, hey, th that 
Sam Darnold is my guy. He's just had, he just needs to be around the right people. Let's with all these draft picks, let's, let's get offensive linemen. Let's get some tools, whether it's, it's pits or some wideouts, Devonte Smith, or get some, some, some peripheral pieces that will benefit his play. I think was the only chance that potentially Zach Wilson could slip. But now that Darnold's out, there is no doubt in my mind that Zach Wilson is going number two, unless, of course, it's the Jets. So you never know. Yeah, they may yeah. bungle that thing <laughs> and not take Zach Wilson. Let's yeah, talk I, about the NFL financially, right? So I'm sorry. Did you want to chime in on your Jets? I know it's close no, to your heart out there. Def, definitely not chiming on the Jets. I was just going to chime in on, on Garoppolo is that, look, he's got that five-year, $137 million contract. And I think, you know, when you're trading that contract, the one thing I think the – is is a sticking point for the 49ers they want a first round pick back for it um you know that's 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 a big part of it um you know so you know he's got he's got you know 24 his base is 24 this year 24 next year um yeah you know i think the 49ers are, are definitely dug their feet in the fact that they want a first round pick back for garoppolo let's talk about the nfl as a whole after what we, we just recently learned that, of course, this upcoming NFL season will have 17 games. That's still weird. We go from a 16 to a 17-game season. Maddie, what does that mean financially for the NFL? What does it mean for the players and the players' union? It means a lot more money. Um, essentially, that's what it is. And, I mean, so there's no – you know, let's be clear. There's no um, – you know, the, the whole agreement of the 17th game um, – you know, was part of the CBA that was signed and ratified in 2020, March of 2020. Um, and so right now you're talking about the players playing 17 regular season games and three preseason games. So, you know, players can't play more than 20 combined regular and preseason games. So they're going to hit that max for 20. Um, and I mean, just, so, and I'm sure everyone knows this, you know, the, the 17 games, that's a placeholder for 18. They're going to get to 18 games in, in a couple of years. Uh, I think probably sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I think that's something to look at. But from a financial standpoint, you know, one of the things is, and obviously, you know, the NFL just signed over $105 billion in, uh, in revenue from their broadcast partners. So almost 100% of an increase from their previous television deals. Um and, you know, that was a key component of the, of the 17 game negotiation. That was actually uh, a lever that, you know, basically enacted the 17th game um, that allowed the players associate that allowed the, the management council, the NFL owners to, to say, hey, look, we're going to we're going to put a 17th game on the schedule. And I think, you know, one thing to look at is that, yeah, you can look at, you know, the players still getting their same salaries are getting instead of getting paid over 17 weeks now, got to remember the players get paid for a bye week, getting paid over 18 weeks. Now the players' salaries increased in the last CBA last year in 2020. Um, so there's not going to be an additional paycheck, quote unquote, uh, for them. But you know, one thing that is going to increase significantly, um, the the split in the, te- in the television deal. So under the current CBA, the players received 48% of NFL total of total NFL revenue. Um, now with the season being extended to 17 games in the regular season, that mo- number moves up to 48.8%, um, which, you know, that 0.8% might not sound like a lot, um, but it's about $160 million in additional revenue for the players. Um, you know, and it, again, it might not make a big difference, you know, to Aaron Rodgers, right. 
he might not see the same effects that, um, you know, a guy that's number 52 on the roster feels. Um, but it's certainly a big number, 160 million per year. Um, and then obviously, you know, one of the things that is being worked on is, is gambling. And, you know, when gambling enters into the picture, that's a whole different uh, step up in salary and I mean, step up in revenue. Um, you know, one of the things that, that happened this offseason because of COVID, because of the, the decline uh, or not decline, but because of the absence of attendance last year is the salary cap declined um, essentially for the first time ever. And usually teams in their predictions for the following year, build in about $10 million per salary per for the salary cap per year. So the cap, you know, essentially dropped over $20 million in their projections um, of what they were thinking. So one of the things to take into account when you're, you know, when you did $105 billion of deals, when you're going to have gambling come to the table next year, um, when you're bringing back fans for, you know, game day revenue, merchandise, ticket sales, parking, um, concessions, all those things. The NFL is looking at a lot more money in 2021, 2022, um, and obviously into the future than they did in 2020, which is going to help the players. The salary cap will jump. Um, it will go back up. It, I don't know if it will um, increase in the same percentage that it had been before uh, in 2021 and 2022. But I think by 2022, you'll certainly see it back to where it normally is and probably, you know, doing better than it, than it had in the past. Yeah, it is greener pastures for everybody in professional sports and certainly the NFL when you think about that infusion of, of the gambling money. Do you think, with, I mean, because it's really difficult to sort of put your arms around or at least financially extrapolate as to just how much money that's going to be over the next couple of years. How much do you think just talking about the gambling revenue could influence the salary cap? And is there any idea, we know that it came down this year, but when they reevaluate any idea, Matt, as to just how big or how large the salary cap could be going forward? So, you know, I'm not too sure of the projections of what gambling will look like. I know, you know, the biggest thing for the NFL, and this is kind of a crazy thing to think about, is that, you know, if you or I were at a game and, you know, we're at a 49ers game or a New York Giants game and you're like, you know what, it's November, I'm going to go bet on the NBA. The, uh, the NFL wants a piece of that bet that you make in the stadium, no matter what sport it is. If you're betting baseball, soccer, NFL football, college football, whatever it might be, they want a piece of that bet that you're making in that stadium. And I think that's a huge, huge revenue factor, huge revenue driver as well. Um, they want people in the stadiums. They know the, the at-home experience is so good because of gambling, but they want to be able to fill the stadiums with people who want to gamble as well too. Um, I think, you know, just going off of a deal they did, they just did uh, $120 million a year for six years with Junior Sports, who is essentially uh, their data provider. Um, you know, that, that Genius Sports, you know, works a lot in the gambling space. Now, they obviously work in next-gen stats and, and other, um, uh, other fields as well. But certainly, um, that deal with Genius Sports is, is tied dramatically to, you know, to gaming, to, to gambling and, and that source of revenue. So, um, you know, the, the salary cap this year is going to be $182 million. Um, I anticipate that it will be back over two, $200 million in 2022. Um, and I think you'll see, 
significant increases from 2022 to 2023 and 2023 to 2024, um, very significant increases, obviously because of the television deals, because of the new streaming networks that are involved with the NFL. And then obviously because of gambling, I think you might see that, uh, that salary cap go above 200 million in 2022, like I just said, and then probably double, uh, I wouldn't say double, but I, I would say I would hit close to 230 million in 2023. That would be. Wow. Well, as Gordon Gecko once said in the movie, one of my favorites, <laughs> Wall Street, greed is good, right? And that's what the NFL is. And it's legal. You know that <laughs> what, $16-18 billion a year in terms of uh, what they do and profit. When you think just, just sort of an overview of what we've experienced, right? And how they've been able to market themselves. And you've touched on this from time to time, how they market themselves, not only during the football season, but they win the year. I mean, think about it. Everything stopped in the world of sports and it was, it dominated the headlines. And we were talking about a trade, right? A trade during the off season in the NFL that didn't involve one NFL football player. You and I have thrown as many passes as the guys that were traded for between the New York, excuse me, between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. That, and that just goes to show you draft picks is who were dealt in this huge, shocking trade that dominated the headlines, dominated every podcast, dominated every sports talk radio from here to New York, from here around the world. And that just goes to show you how they've been able to market themselves, I think, in terms of dominating the other sports. And the other thing is, when you think about this offseason, and, and this tangent just comes on the heels of, of their greed, their overall greed for asking for a piece, uh, a percentage of should you lay down a bet and you're at a 49 or you're at a football game and you want a piece of the action from the NBA is, is sort of, I guess, in line with the way they think. But, but really, they have just, maybe it's that attitude that has had led them to just dominating sports because pro day, I mean, suddenly pro day over the last couple of years, everybody's focused on pro day. Pro day is now something that you put on the calendar, not to mention the draft. And then, of course, you get into the combine even before pro day, and it just goes on and on where they occupy the 12 months with entertainment and stay relevant as far as sports and your attention and your entertainment dollar, dollar throughout the entire season. I, I guess in just sort of an overview, and this just jumped into my head, they, they are really smart in terms of the way they market their product, Matt. Yeah, no, it's clear. I mean, they own, you know, I always say they own parts of the calendar. Um, you know, clearly they own September to, you know, to the Super Bowl. Um, that's, you know, no question they own that. But yeah, I mean, look, you have March Madness going on. Um, you have the, you know, you have opening day, Major League Baseball starting back up again with fans. And yeah, like you just said, people are talking about a trade that did not involve any players It involved draft picks It involved currency, draft currency. Um, that's what's making the headlines. And, you know, you're going to have the same thing. You, you know, you had people talking about the Jared Goff trade. Um, you know, you had people talk, you're going to have people talking about the Sam Darnold trade. Um, that's what's making the headlines. And it's, you know, it's just what they do. They own the calendar. They own months of it. And, you know, now we're at April 5th. You know, the draft is three and a half weeks away. And from here till the end of April, it's going to be a draft talk, you know, pre-draft talk. Who's taking who? Um, you know that. And, you know, there'll be a little bit of a lull after the draft. You'll have players that are, um, you know, signing professional contracts. There's been some talk about, you know, if there's going to be in-person organized team activities or not, you know, when that's going to take place. 
how, how often it's going to take place this, this off season, the NFL and the teams and the owners certainly want it because they want to get their rookies in there and learn in the playbook as soon as possible. And to capitalize on all those media opportunities. Um, but yeah, you know, they're going to, they're going to own the months, you know, baseball will have some time in, in May and, and June, a little bit of July and then training camp starts and then it's NFL. Um, you know, the NBA will have the, you know, the playoffs, right. It'll, it'll get some eyeballs on it, obviously, especially the finals. Um, but really, you know, it's the NFL that's, you know, uh, grabbing pieces of the calendar and owning it. Yeah, look at the draft. Just the draft in and of itself, right? Now it used to be at Radio City Music Hall. It was in New York every year. Now it's almost like a Super Bowl. You have cities that are bidding for the NFL draft. It's become an event. They have bands at this thing. <laughs> it's, it's the way it was supposed to be in Vegas last year. And, of course, the pandemic and COVID hit. But not only the draft itself becoming a spectacle, which the NFL has done another remarkable job in terms of marketing and creating that event, but also the suspense. And, and this isn't marketing or PR. It's not as though they have to build this up and say, you know, run these ads as to who's going to go number one, who's going to go number two. It's just the sort of the work or the, the world that is the NFL creates this level of suspense where it's almost must watch TV come the NFL draft. Who's going to go at number three? Could the Jets, you know, now, of course, it looks as though they're going to go with Zach Wilson, but there was some suspense as to whether they would, they would go with Zach Wilson at number two. What's going to happen at number three, the 49ers. I mean, this is what's dominating sports talk radios. The 49ers at number three, Mac Jones. Are you kidding me? This guy's not in shape. He's not an athlete. No, it's going to be Justin Fields. No, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Trey Lance. It divides the room. And the NFL is just sitting back and laughing, not laughing, but grinning or salivating, whatever it is that they're doing, knowing that they're going to make money because everybody is going to watch, which means advertisers, which means more money, which means, as you have pointed out, have they continue to dominate in terms of creating events and doing it with suspense and captivating a lot of, of the fan base in terms of, of their ability to, to sell these things. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, you know, it's reality TV. It's uh, entertainment. Yeah, it's, 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 it's sports, but it's all those other things as well, too. Um, and they're really, really good at it. Uh, they're, they're very good at it. You know, we, we kind of have a running joke in the office. You know, the, the NBA is, is certainly the most innovative. You've seen that. Um, the NFL figures out how to, you know, profit off the innovation that the NBA makes. And unfortunately, um, you know, Major League Baseball's, you know, sometimes left dragging their feet a little bit. Um, you know, and that's just, it's just one of the things that has been constant in the last decade, maybe a little bit more. Um, and you've seen that, you know, you've seen the decline of major league baseball. You've seen, you know, the NBA adding uh, their technology, their innovation in, in different parameters. And you see the NFL making money off of, you know, these, uh, these different areas, different times of the calendar. Um, you know, they're figuring out ways to do it. They're really good at it. Smart, the smart people. We can leave it right there for now, Matt, and we'll, of course, pick things up as, as the draft gets near, and we'll see whether there's more trades, and there certainly could be more quarterback shuffle, and this whiplash of quarterbacks going from team to team is expected to continue. But until then, this is Dan Abone from Matt Marino in San Francisco, reminding you to give him the sports biz and to stay here every week or every other week with another podcast. We'll see Matty, you. that was your cue to say goodbye. All right, we'll see you, man. Have a good one. All right. Until next time. So long, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.